You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, I have some good news to lead off the things in spite of my upstairs neighbors being loud and playing something. Uh, apparently, I just did a test run and you guys can't hear it on the mic. So uh, that's bully for you guys, not so much for myself. Uh, apartment living, isn't it fantastic? We actually have some news to talk about today. Uh, across the Lockdown Network, we're supposed to talk about season high points. Uh, we're going to do that quickly. We're going to talk about some virtual baseball. And then the second half of the show, we're going to talk about the news that came out and what's turning into some conflicting reports on what was first reported. But without further ado, let's talk about the high points of the Cleveland Indian season. And I think the high point of the Cleveland Indian season is game 119. It is a Monday night game uh, against Boston. They beat uh, Boston. Brad Hand gets the wind the wind, the win after they'd taken three out of four from Minnesota at home, and that put them up by half a game. They ended that Minnesota game on August 11th tied. Hand got the win in that one. He comes back and gets the win in the next night. And then the low point is pretty much from that point onward because uh, that Boston team was not great last year. They dropped the next two to Boston. The Yankees take two out of three. Um, and then... I'm sorry. They and then the they lose another three out of. Uh, I'm sorry. They take they split the Yankee series and then the Mets, who are not in good shape, they lose three straight too, and things kind of went off the rails from there. Yes, they're able to keep being up on Detroit and Kansas City, but they never really got themselves back into playoff positioning for the rest of this run. And so that I think your high point is August 11th, beating the Red Sox in Game 119. Uh, a 6-5 to five win that puts them up in the division for the first time since the early season, uh, the early going in that one. In this game, uh, Zach Plesak goes five innings, giving up three runs on three hits, two strikeouts and a home run given up. Uh, Ty Clippard has an one earned run on a home run. Hunter Wood gets a hold. Clippard gets a hold. Whitgren gets a hold. Uh, Oliver Perez gets a hold, and then Brad Hand gets the blown save win. Uh, always great to see that when a guy can blow the save but still get the win because the Indians have some walk-off magic and get a run across in the ninth uh, for this home game to win it 6-5. to five. Uh, Fashion for the Indians. Uh, I'm just trying to scroll down to how it went off. And that was a Carlos Santana home run in the bottom of the ninth to break it. Line drive to deep left field, left center, and that's how they win. Which, you know, Carlos Santana, frankly, was probably the highlight last year for the Indians. Jose Ramirez had an up-and-down season. Um, Clevenger was hurt. Bauer went back to being ineffective. I mean, I think one can almost make the case uh, when I was talking with fans and interacting with fans that the second best moment for Indians fans was the trading of Trevor Bauer. Because everyone was so happy with the return at the time that it was just, uh, like I said, everyone was so excited and couldn't wait that that was probably your second highest point. But I think biggest game, biggest moment, Monday, August 12th. It's the last time they would take over the division lead. Carlos Santana with a walk-off win. But (laughs) it also is the foreshadowing of what's to come because why do they have that opportunity? Well, Brad Hand blows a save. And this would be one of the major reasons that team unraveled in August was that uh, 
the bullpen, which they had one of the best bullpens in baseball, just fell apart. Big part of that was Brad Hand. Uh, the night before, he had had a blown save and that win. That So he blew a save Sunday and Monday. And, and really, there was nothing better, no better way to kind of state what was coming. That even at their highest point, you're coming talking about uh, back-to-back blown saves by Brad Hand as he was phenomenal in the first half. I think people forget just how good he was. One could make a case he was the best reliever in the American League over the first half of last year. And then this is where things start to come undone. Ugh. So let's go into some virtual baseball. We left off on the 16th of April. Uh, the Tigers had beat the Indians in that one, but the Indians had taken two out of three. The 17th of April, which I have right here in front of me, is a 5-2 to win. Indians get five runs on 13 hits and an error, two runs on eight hits and an error for the Boston Red Sox. Clevenger, eight innings, uh, Eight strikeouts, two earned runs, eight hits. Uh, both earned runs came on a home run in the first inning. Does not allow another home run. 107 pitches to go eight innings. Brad Hand with the perfect ninth to get the save. Uh, for the Indians in this one, Franmil Reyes with the triple. That's, that's unusual, right? Roberto Perez with an unlikely error. Doubles by Perez, Santana, Lindor, Domingo Santana, and Oscar Mercado. Uh, Francisco Lindor, unfortunately, injures himself on that double in the eighth inning when the Indians are already up 5-2. to two. Um, Not a good thing. He goes on the disabled list, and that's one of those situations where, what do I do? Uh, he's going to miss two weeks, so I had to kind of look through the options, and I decided to go with Christian Arroyo, uh, similar defenders between him and Chang, but Arroyo had more of a broad set of skills, and we'll get more into that in a bit. So the next game is a Saturday night game. Against the Boston Red Sox, Carrasco versus Chris Sale. I know, Sale is hurt. Again, we're dealing with things. Uh, the Indians get another win. Nine runs on 12 hits, no errors. Austin gets two runs on nine hits and no errors. Uh, they have a home run by Raphael Devers uh, in that one. That's how they got one of them across. For the Indians, Roberto Perez with a pair of home runs. Carlos Santana with his sixth Francisco Lindor with his third, and I'm sorry, this is the game that Francisco Lindor got hurt in uh, late, was this April 18th game. Uh, three doubles by Jordan Luplo in that game. We talked about the two home runs by Roberto Perez. Sale was just getting tattooed. Fantastic game. Three hits by Luplo, three by Perez, two by Lindor. So at that point, the Indians are now 12-10. and 10. Boston is 8-14. and 14. Things are going well for the Indians in the grand scheme outside of that injury next game sunday game the 19th indians versus red sox you have aaron saval versus eduardo rodriguez indians get another win they win they have four runs on six hits and error boston has three runs on eight hits and no errors saval goes six and two-thirds giving up uh those three runs all earned on eight hits and no walks six strikeouts did give up a pair of home runs one to Kevin Plowacki uh, late in the game. Kevin Plowacki <laughs> has given the Indians in this series. It felt like he was coming up with big hit after big hit. Um, if they did anything, it was almost because of Plowacki at points. Fran Mel Reyes gets his fourth home run of the year in this one. And it's a it's a close one. Uh, Carlos Santana with the air. The Indians get one in the fourth, one in the fifth. Boston ties it up in the fifth. The Indians get two in the sixth. Boston gets one in the sixth, and then no one else gets anything else across. So at this point, we have a 13-10 and 10 Cleveland Indians. And then we go to our Sunday game, which is Indians-Red Sox. 
trying to sweep the four-game series. Uh, unfortunately for the Indians, uh, this one goes to extra innings, but the fortunate part is the win. Uh, lots of struggles in the bullpen, but we'll get into that in a second. Home run by Fran Mel Reyes is fifth. A pair of doubles by Roberto Perez. Jose Ramirez, Christian Arroyo, uh, is it in this game. I was wrong. He got hurt in the, the 19th game. I was really off in my data in this one. But he has a double in his debut. He goes two for six. Uh, three hits by Jose Ramirez. He's back on terror in the game. He leads the team in hits. Uh, Chris Mazza, the Indians got to him pretty quickly with one run in the first and three in the second. Unfortunately, Boston would fire back, uh, getting one in the fourth, four in the fifth. The Indians also got four in the fifth, one in the seventh, two in the eighth, and they would tie the game, and it would take 11 innings for the Indians to end up winning this one. The Indians would have nine runs on 16 hits and an error. Boston would have eight runs on 14 hits, no errors. Plesak goes five innings, gives up uh, five runs on three walks and five strikeouts. James Karinchak gives up a run in the eighth as well. That's the, the game tire. Hunter Wood and Brad Hand are able to keep things steady. Hand has a, a really strong outing, going two and two-thirds innings, allowing... He did allow um, a run across, but it was an unearned run because... Uh, Thanks to a Jose Ramirez era, there was a pair of unearned runs in this one. But Wood and Hand combined for three and two-thirds innings of unearned, you know, not runless baseball, but there was no runs given up. Uh, Nick Whitering gets the save in the 11th, his first of the year. And the Indians are now 14-10, and 10, a four-game sweep of the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox are 8-15 and 15 and are struggling in the early going. So following up Boston, we have the Oakland Athletics coming to town. And we lead off with Shane Bieber, who was just massively struggling this year in the early goings. Eight innings, seven strikeouts, two home runs, uh, five runs, three earned, seven strikeouts, no walks. Oliver Perez in one inning gives up two earned runs as well. Uh, Tanner Anderson, the Indians get to quickly, but just can't capitalize. And then Chris Bassett and Birch Smith uh, shut them down, and they can't get anything across. For the Indians, Domingo Santana is his fifth home run. Uh, double by Cesar Hernandez, but errors by Cesar Hernandez and Christian Arroyo. So that loss will drop the Indians back to 14 and 11. Shane Bieber is 1 and 5 on the year. April 22nd, uh, 14 and 12 Cleveland Indians against the 11 and 14 Oakland Athletics. Rough game for Mike Clevenger. Six and two thirds innings, uh, seven earned runs. He gives up four in the first, two in the sixth, and one in the seventh. Uh, goes six and two-thirds. Karen Chalk gives up a run in one and two-thirds of an inning. Uh, Anthony Ghost comes in, pitches two-thirds of an inning. I don't know if I had mentioned before, but I also got tired of uh, some of the dead weight I was carrying on the roster and some of the players who were massively underperforming. So I called up Ghost as he was the highest-ranked reliever uh, in the Indians' bullpen in terms of people you could go to or pull to start a game. And... You know, Dominic Leone, James Hoyt, Phil Phil Matten was the one that got sent down this time. Jeffrey Rodriguez. We've tried a few players, but uh, another loss by the Indians after that four-game sweep of the Red Sox. Uh, Domingo Santana with a triple in this one, a double by Franmil Reyes. Jose Ramirez is seventh home run of the year to lead the team, but the Indians drop this one. Elkland scores eight runs on eleven hits. The Indians have. 
four runs on five hits and an error error on Oscar Mercado this time. Lots of errors for the Indians. And um, the weird thing is Roberto Perez gets run on all the time in the game. That's something that's really off. So the final game of the series, the Indians finally get a win. Uh, Carlos Carrasco puts the team on his back, pitches nine innings, complete game, only needs 108 pitches, strikes out seven, allows eight hits, no walks, and gives up one earned run in the game, and that is in the third inning. The Indians, uh, Jake Bowers has a double, and Christian Arroyo has a double. Jose Ramirez has two triples. Christian Arroyo has one. Cesar Hernandez with the second home run of the year, and Domingo Santana with his sixth. Mercado has two hits, Ramirez three, Carlos Santana two, Christian Arroyo two for the Cleveland Indians on April 23rd. That takes them up to 15 and 12 on the season. And that gets us through uh, the April 23rd game, which would be Wednesday, which is when this podcast will post. Uh, we have, I simmed a little bit ahead, so we'll talk about that on Friday, what's going to happen with the 24th and the 25th, some news in our simulation world. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors, and we'll come back and talk very quickly about the baseball news in the world and what we are seeing. Okay, so Baseball America announced today that a deal had been reached with the Minor League Baseball Association to significantly reduce the number of teams uh, in minor league baseball. Now, if you listen to this podcast, you've heard about me talk kind of ad nauseum about the fact of how this has been clearly a goal um, by those in charge of major league baseball. And the logic is pretty simple. They're getting raked over the coals for how little they pay uh, kids in the minors. They're making below a minimum wage typically. This looks really bad because there are a lot of people who own multiple minor league teams because it is good business. It's a, a nice little way to make some money and there's reasons why you don't buy these things um, because of the cachet. Owning a minor league team doesn't bring cachet. You, you own a team because it's solid business. Uh, and they are their own separate thing in a way, while they are also connected. It, it's kind of convoluted to get into. But the teams benefit from having them. While Major League Baseball teams look at the easiest way to up salary is to cut teams and this has been their goal we've talked about it in multiple multiple podcasts we announced that they were cutting down on the draft immediately you know i pulled on my tinfoil conspiracy and said this is why and it looks like i'm being proven true uh they want to cut 42 teams which was on the high end of any expected cut list and we talked about this at the beginning of the time um back in like december when this was first discussed they would add two minor league teams one in saint paul and one in Sugarland, and the whole idea being that those teams are close affiliates for Houston and Minnesota, who don't currently have a super close affiliate for them. So those two teams would be added. Uh, they would come up with this Dreamers League, which is for players who don't sign, who would make like no money at all to just hope to get a chance to catch on with somebody. And the bigger thing is, you know, again, you're cutting 40 teams, uh, you're cutting at least one affiliate per team. If you're paying all of those kids. Uh, you know, something around 25, 30 kids on a roster. And they're all making, you know, you're getting rid of that for an entire summer, the entire pay of that. So you take that money and you then pay the other players more. And this way you look better and you're not really going to cost yourselves a large amount of money. That, that's the, basically the idea here. Um, but like I said, the other aspect is this Dreamers League where, okay, so you were a high school senior 
we're not going to pay you any money and you're going to pay for something that's associated with us, but we don't directly own. Like no, no team owns the, uh, you know, if they cut, uh, like the New York Penn League, for instance, is, is a league that would very likely be gone. And that is where the Mahoning Valley, uh, Mahoning Valley plays, the Scrappers. So Mahoning Valley would now be maybe a Dreamers League stop where you'd have like three months of baseball, but it wouldn't necessarily be the Indians. It could be like, it would just be Major League Baseball's affiliated system where you agree to come play and you weren't good enough to get drafted. So we don't, you know, this is just you chasing a dream. This is us giving you an opportunity. So those players can't complain about the the money or anything else. This is their choice. And there would be that. And the other thing is honestly, like, it's cheaper to pay scouts because scouts don't make great money and they work really hard, but it's going to be cheaper to pay scouts to go scout independent baseball and see if independent baseball can help develop players. You're going to see a lot of, uh, a lot more guys at the end of the independent baseball season signed, and you might see the team make more cuts at the end of the season as well to make space for them. It's going to be interesting to watch, but it, it's very clear uh, that this is something the major league baseball wanted and that, you know, the COVID-19 crisis became the perfect way to make it so the, you know, minor league baseball was over a barrel in this situation. I mean, the, the Major League Baseball leveraged the heck out of this terrible national tragedy with this disease. There's no other way to put it. But they did. They used the leverage of this, the lost revenue for those minor league teams. They're already in trouble because of that. But really use that as a hammer to leverage these teams. Now, what's interesting is after that was reported, Minor League Baseball came out, the MILB, and released a press statement. Recent articles on negotiations between the MILB and Major League Baseball are largely inaccurate. There have been no agreements on contraction or any other issues. The MILB looks forward to continuing the good faith negotiations with the MLB on Wednesday as we work toward an agreement that best ensures the futures of professional baseball throughout the United States and Canada. Now, that's interesting. You know, that um, it comes out, everyone's saying, oh, it's agreed, it's it's in place, all these teams are going to get cut, and they come back firing. Um, so I don't know exactly how over a barrel they are. They are in a pretty negative um, bargaining position because of what's going on in the, the billionaire uh, Major League Baseball owners and billionaire Major League Baseball like team is uh is using their all of their leverage on these much poorer teams um trying to get what they want and even talk that you know the milb may kind of no longer come to exist that they might try to put that all under just instead of having its own governing body that would just be part of major league baseball um it's all kind of a mess and i'll be curious to see exactly how this comes out but they're right now negotiating in public uh and it's yeah it the bigger thing is like on a basic level though 40 teams being cut that is a lot of jobs that's a lot of community pride there's some areas where yeah minor league baseball it's like at least it's something you can go do it's a fun i mean the akron arbor ducks have a few thousand people every single game that's a fun little thing to go to and it's nice to have that option taking that away it stinks and then every single game there's hundreds of people working concessions or using it as a fundraiser or a summer job and things like that and yeah there's not a lot of people that it's a year-round job but it's still a job for some and that means this is the loss of jobs for a lot of people too a loss of community and it just again major league baseball just looks incredibly dirty to me in all these moves they're making in the middle of a national pandemic they're trying to uh worry about bottom line first and foremost and trying to 
take advantage of the situation to help their overall bottom line for when everything goes back to normal. Uh, you can call me, you know, a conspiracy theorist, but I think so far those conspiracy theories have more or less proven true as we followed this out. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Major League Baseball is definitely telling people that a deal is done. Maybe some of the owners are agreeing to it. I don't know exactly what's happening, but spare us watching because the Indians would lose an affiliate. I mean, there's no other way around it. I don't know if there might be a... I mean, there would definitely be a reshaping of leagues and where they go, and the Indians might want all of their players in state. So it might mean, like, the end of Kingston or something like Kingston becomes, I should say, Kingston becomes part of, like, a Southern teams, but someone get, would get shuttered. Um, there is a chance it'd be Mahoning Valley because the original talks where the New York Penn League would go away. So, yeah, this is a direct effect, not just on, like, baseball in general and the Indians in specifics, but in Ohio and Ohio industry. I want to thank everyone for listening, rating, and reviewing. You all have been continually fantastic. I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. I know I haven't done much on there recently. Uh, Just haven't had much of a drive after the closing of uh, Scouting Baseball. But I want to thank you for still giving me this avenue to talk into, to listen, and to hear my analysis. I very much appreciate it. As always, you are awesome, and go Tribe.